Chapter 2 of Letters of a Woman Homesteader. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Letters of a Woman Homesteader by Eleanor Pruitt Stewart. Chapter 2 Filing a Claim. May 24, 1909. Dear, dear Mrs. Coney, Well, I have filed on my land and am now a bloated landowner. I waited a long time to even see land in the reserve and the snow is yet too deep, so I thought that as they have but three months of summer and spring together, and as I wanted the land for a ranch anyway, perhaps I had better stay in the valley. So I have filed adjoining Mr. Stewart, and I am well pleased. I have a grove of twelve swamp pines on my place, and I am going to build my house there. I thought it would be very romantic to live on the peaks amid the whispering pines, but I reckon it would be powerfully uncomfortable also. And I guess my twelve can whisper enough for me. And a dandy thing is, I have all the nice snow water I want. A small stream runs right through the center of my land, and I am quite near wood. A neighbor and his daughter were going to Green River, the county seat and said I might go along, so I did, as I could file there as well as at the land office. And oh, that trip! I had more fun to the square inch than Mark Twain or Samantha Allen ever provoked. It took us a whole week to go and come. We camped out, of course, for in the whole sixty miles there was but one house, and going in that direction there is not a tree to be seen, nothing but sage, sand, and sheep. About noon the first day out, we came near a sheep wagon, and stalking along ahead of us was a lanky fellow, a herder, going home for dinner. Suddenly it seemed to me I should starve if I had to wait until we got where we had planned to stop for dinner, so I called out to the man, Little Bo Peep, have you anything to eat? If you have, we'd like to find it. And he answered, As soon as I am able, it shall be on the table, if you'll but trouble to get behind it. Shades of Shakespeare. Songs of David, the shepherd poet. What do you think of us? Well, we got behind it, and a more delicious it I never tasted. Such coffee. And out of such a pot. I promised Bo Peep that I would send him a crook with pink ribbons on it, but I suspect he thinks I am a crook without the ribbons. The sagebrush is so short in some places that it is not large enough to make a fire, so we had to drive until quite late before we camped that night. After driving all day over what seemed a level desert of sand, we came about sundown to a beautiful canyon down which we had to drive for a couple of miles before we could cross. In the canyon the shadows had already fallen, but when we looked up we could see the last shafts of sunlight on the tops of the great bare buttes. Suddenly a great wolf started from somewhere and galloped along the edge of the canyon, outlined black and clear by the setting sun. His curiosity overcame him at last, so he sat down and waited to see what manner of beast we were. I reckon he was disappointed, for he howled most dismally. I thought of Jack London's The Wolf. After we quitted the canyon, 
I saw the most beautiful sight. It seemed as if we were driving through a golden haze. The violet shadows were creeping up between the hills, while away back of us the snow-capped peaks were catching the sun's last rays. On every side of us stretched the poor, hopeless desert, the sage, grim and determined to live in spite of starvation, and the great, bare, desolate buttes. The beautiful colors turned to amber and rose, and then to the general tone, dull gray. Then we stopped to camp, and such a scurrying around to gather brush for the fire and to get supper. Everything tasted so good, Jerrine ate like a man. Then we raised the wagon tongue and spread the wagon sheet over it and made a bedroom for us women. We made our beds on the warm, soft sand and went to bed. It was too beautiful a night to sleep, so I put my head out to look and to think. I saw the moon come up and hang for a while over the mountain, as if it were discouraged with the prospect and the big white stars flirted shamelessly with the hills. I saw a coyote come trotting along, and I felt sorry for him, having to hunt food in so barren a place. But when presently I heard the whir of wings, I felt sorry for the sage chickens he had disturbed. At length the cloud came up, and I went to sleep, and next morning was covered several inches with snow. It didn't hurt us a bit, but while I was struggling with stubborn corsets and shoes, I communed with myself, after the manner of prodigals, and said, How much better that I were down in Denver, even at Mrs. Coney's, digging with a skewer into the corners, seeking dirt which might be there, yea, even eating codfish, than that I should perish on this desert of imagination." So I turned the current of my imagination and fancied that I was at home before the fireplace and that the backlog was about to roll down. My fancy was in such good working trim that before I knew it I kicked the wagon wheel and I certainly got as warm as the most sot scientist that ever read Mrs. Eddy could possibly wish. After two more such days I arrived. When I went up to the office where I was to file, the door was open, and the most taciturn old man sat before a desk. I hesitated at the door, but he never let on. I coughed, yet no sign but a deeper scowl. I stepped in and modestly kicked over a chair. He whirled around like I had shot him. Well, he interrogated. I said, I am powerful glad of it. I was afraid you were sick. You looked in such pain. He looked at me a minute, then grinned and said he thought I was a book agent. Fancy me, a fat, comfortable widow, trying to sell books. Well, I filed and came home. If you will believe me, the Scot was glad to see me and didn't herald the Campbells for two hours after I got home. I'll tell you, it is mighty seldom anyone so much appreciated. No, we have no rural delivery. It is two miles to the office, but I go whenever I like. It is really the jolliest kind of fun to gallop down. We are sixty miles from the railroad, but when we want anything, we send by the mail carrier for it, only there is nothing to get. I know this is an inexcusably long letter, but it is snowing so hard, 
and you know how I like to talk. I am sure Jerrine will enjoy the cards, and we will be glad to get them. Many things that are a comfort to us out here came from dear Mrs. Blank. Baby has the rabbit you gave her last Easter a year ago. In Denver, I was afraid my baby would grow up devoid of imagination. Like all the kindergartners, she depended upon others to amuse her. I was very sorry about it, for my castles in Spain have been real homes to me. But there is no fear. She has a block of wood she found in the blacksmith shop, which she calls her dear baby. A spoke out of a wagon wheel is little Margaret, and a barrel stave is bad little Johnny. Well, I must quit writing before you vote me a nuisance. With lots of love to you, your sincere friend, Eleanor Rupert. End of chapter 2